name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and to the ages of all ages. Amen. It would be uncommon for you to come to any service and not to hear the gospel read. And it would be uncommon in the Coptic Church, in any of our rites, that the gospel would be read without us offering a prayer before we read the gospel. One of my favorite prayers that I like it so much that I wrote it into the front of my Bible here, by St. Isaac the Syrian, um, about reading Scripture. He says, Do not approach the mystery-filled words of the Scriptures without prayer and a request for assistance from God. Say, Lord, grant me to become aware of the power in the words. Consider prayer to be the key to insights into truth in the Scriptures. That's St. Isaac the Syrian. The short of the long is he's saying, Pray from all your heart before you open Scripture and say, Lord, grant me to become aware of the power in these words and consider prayer to be the key to insights into truth in the Scriptures. And so the Church knows this, and St. Isaac probably learned this from the Church, not the other way around. And so the Church offers a prayer every time before we read the Gospel. And it's called the Litany of the Gospel. The word litany just means a prayer in which we're asking for stuff, basically. You know, sometimes we pray to thank God, sometimes we pray to praise Him, sometimes we pray to confess our sins, sometimes we pray for various different reasons, and sometimes we pray to ask for stuff. When we're asking for stuff, that stuff is, that those prayers are called litanies or they're called supplications. So the litany of the gospel. And in the litany of the gospel, every time that we pray, we pray and we say that you have give, given us O Master Lord Jesus Christ, who said to his saintly disciples and honored apostles, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For many prophets, kings and prophets, wanted to see what you see and have not seen it. And they wanted to hear what you hear, and they have not heard it. May we be worthy to hear and to act according to your holy gospels through the prayers of your saints. And most of our liturgical prayers are taken from Scripture. So Jesus, in today's passage from Luke 10, he says, Blessed are your eyes, blessed are the eyes which see the things which you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. So Jesus says this to his disciples. And it's important to know the context that he said this to his disciples in, and we're going to get to that in a second. But doesn't, doesn't that pique your curiosity? Like, doesn't it kind of, doesn't it, do, doesn't it make you wonder, what is it that you see, what is it that you hear, that kings and prophets of old have desired for so long to see and to hear, but they didn't get to see it, and they didn't get to hear it. And Jesus says to his disciples, Blessed are you, because your eyes get to see and your ears get to hear. Like, when we're talking about the, 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 the holy men of old, we're not talking about randoms. We're talking about Abraham. We're talking about Moses. We're talking about King David. What is it that, like, Moses asked God to see him when he was on Mount Sinai. 
Moses received the tablets that were written by the finger of God. Moses saw the back of God. God told him, no man can see me and live, but it is enough for you to see the train of my robe. So he saw, he saw the back of God. And that little bit that he saw of God was enough that when he came down from the mountain, he was shining. My whole life, I thought that when Moses came down from the mountain, there was light around him. No, no. It's, it, we have to read carefully. And when you read carefully in Exodus and you read it carefully in, in, in Acts, St. Stephen explains it. And when you go back and you read it in Exodus, you find that it's very clear. It says, and the skin of his face was shining. Moses was shining. Moses was not surrounded by light. Moses became light. Because of the degree of the closeness and the holiness that he saw and that he encountered on that mountain. And in this instance and in this context, and we're going to explain the context in a minute, Jesus says to his disciples, Man, you're lucky. Many prophets, Moses is like the prototypical prophet of old, Many prophets have desired to see what you have seen and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. What could Moses, who experienced such great glory of God, have wished to see? And you and I, the church is telling us, focus, focus, here, right now, you're going to get to see what Moses wished to see. You're going to get to hear what Moses got to hear. What Moses didn't get to hear. You're going to get to see what Moses didn't get to see. Focus. Focus here. And the deacons hold candles. Now during COVID, we're all physically distancing. So the deacons aren't standing next to the reader and holding candles and such. But, you know, the reader reads from wherever the reader is standing. But pre-COVID, you know, they're holding candles. They're trying to draw our attention to tell us the light of the world is coming from here. From here, from this spot, right here, where the gospel is being read. What is it? What is it that is so precious, which is given to us so freely, that those men of old deeply wished to know it, deeply wished to see it? In the book of Hebrews 11, it says that, that they saw a foretaste of it. They saw like the Costco taste tester. You know, but they didn't get the they didn't get the whole thing. They saw they saw it from afar. And because they saw these promises, this promise, they saw it from far away, they believed in it. And because of that belief, because of that faith, they were deemed saints. But they didn't get to see it. They didn't get to hear it. But you get to see it and you get to hear it. What is this? What is, what, is, what is this? What is this thing? What is this that we get to see and we get to hear? Our gospel passage today is taken from Luke chapter 10. In Luke 10, Luke 10 and Matthew 10, easy, easy reference to remember, Jesus sends, sends his disciples out. And he tells them, go, don't take any money for the way, don't take two sandals. And maybe a passage you may or know or you may not know. He sends them out. They come back, and when they come back, they start telling him all that they saw and that they did. And they're like, Jesus, you wouldn't believe it. 
like sick people came up to us and we just did what you do and they got healed. And demon-possessed people came up to us and you, wouldn't, you won't believe it. Like, we just did what you do and the demons came out. And Jesus listens to everything they have to say. He takes them aside to listen to what they have to say. And they're, they're like, they're, they're, they're spellbound. They can't believe that like the power that was gift, that, that is in Jesus is now in them. And he listens to everything that they say. And then he tells them, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's the part that precedes our gospel today. Then after that is our gospel today. Jesus looks up to heaven and he says, I thank you, Father, because you didn't reveal this to the wise and the prudent, but you revealed it to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good to you. And then he says to them what, what, what I've been emphasizing so much. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For many kings and prophets of old wanted to see and wanted to hear, but they didn't see and they didn't hear. It's in that context. So what is it that they got to see and they got to hear? I'll tell you. You see, Moses is the, is, is, is the one who brought to us what? The law. The prophets are the ones who, who brought to the people of Israel what? A remembrance of the law and the judgment of God if they don't keep the law. And all of them knew that this law was given by God as a free gift to us to help us, to help us along a specific path. But they didn't know, they just had a foretaste from far away of the character of God. The God, the God who is prescribing this law and the God who is telling us this. And you find, you find in, in, in St. Paul's letter to St. Timothy today, he says the key word. The key word that was missing for all of these people in the Old Testament, although it was there, although I can give you dozens of Old Testament examples, I've just finished reading my third book, finding only Old Testament examples of this one thing that they got, that, that was present in the Old Testament, but it was not revealed. So they, 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 had a, they had an inkling of it, they could smell it from far away, but their eyes hadn't seen it yet and their ears had not heard it yet. And you know what it is? It is the good, free gift of God to the undeserving. It is His grace. It is His grace. You know that God is good. And you know that God is good to you for no other reason than that because He chooses to be good to you. And you know that there's nothing that you can do to earn His goodness any more than you could plan your own surprise birthday party. You know that it's, it's nonsensical to try to earn goodness, the goodness of God, to be in God's good books is impossible. 
You can respond to his goodness with your goodness or with laziness or with whatever you want. But there's nothing that you can do to make God's disposition, his initial disposition towards you to be good. You see, this is... Why did the shepherds... Why did the, why did, why did the shepherds go and tell... If you read carefully in the Gospel of Luke, in the nativity narrative, in the Gospel of Luke, if you read carefully, you'll find that the shepherds went and told everybody about Jesus before he was born and after. Like everybody from where they saw the apparition of the angels to the birth, everybody along the way, every house along the way, they knocked on their doors in the middle of the night to tell them what they saw. And after, but nobody went. But what is it, what is it that, that what, what message was it that the angels said to the shepherds that made them, that made them click? You know what it was? What did they say? Well, what did the angels say to them? They said to them, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. I've been singing this goodwill towards men thing in school and, 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 since I was seven years old. I had no idea what it means. What it means is that the disposition of God towards humanity is good. His will towards us is good. That might be like old news to you, but like put yourself in antiquity. Put yourself in the context of antiquity, of these Greek gods and Roman gods who were really petty and capricious, and they would burn, like this was... Of course, this is not true. There's this paganism. None of it is real. But it was the belief of the people that like, the gods would burn a village because they didn't like somebody there. Or they would, you know, they would wake up on the wrong side of the bed and they would cause a drought for three years or whatever. That The gods were... And you had to offer sacrifices to the gods to try to appease them. You know, and you have to just try to keep the gods happy so that they don't ruin your life. I fear, my beloved brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers, that some of us still have this kind of same pagan attitude towards God. Around exam time, you see a very, dich very dichotomous behavior amongst students, right? Some students disappear completely because they need every second to study. Some students realize that no amount of studying is going to help them and you see them at every church service, right? Begging the mercy of God. And when you, the students you do see during, during exam season, and you ask them, how's it going? They say, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm fasting, and I'm praying, and I'm, because exams oftentimes come during fasting seasons, right? And you know what I mean, right? So God will help me. It's like if I do these things, and I'm sorry I'm picking on students, but I'm sure we all do these things, you know, we all do, we all do these funny behaviors, that our behavior towards God changes based on our, on our life, thinking that I can change His disposition, to, I, can, I can earn a little bit of extra favor. No, this is pagan, this is, this is, not, this is not Christianity. And that's what St. Paul is telling St. Timothy. He's telling him, hold fast to grace. Don't get tempted to start thinking that you can change God. 
You can change God. Who is the puppet and who's the puppet master? You know, in, in our delusion, in our delusional thinking that we are God, we think we can control God. We think we have the puppet strings. We think that if I, if I fast and pray, God will like me. But if I don't fast and pray, God will frown on me. And if I give money to the poor, God will be happy. And if I am cruel to the poor, God won't be happy with me. And my friends, forgive me for, for being maybe a little bit cynical and a little bit facetious, but do you think God is so petty? Do you think God is so petty, so changeable, that every little thing that I do or that I don't do will make him happy or sad? God would have had a nervous breakdown by now because there's eight billion of us and all of us are incredibly inconsistent in everything that we do. Right? So he'd be yo-yoing like nuts. Right? This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. God's disposition towards us is good. And this is the message of the angels to the shepherds. That there is heaven looking down upon you. The angels coming down from heaven and looking down upon you are looking up upon you with good will. With good will. There's goodness. There's the goodness is looking at you. Not because you deserve it. Not because you've done something that really is so fantastic. Not because you've earned it. But because God Himself is good. And when we start to read the Gospel in this lens, from this lens, we start to see the goodness of God and we start to see how undeserving we are. And this is what St. Paul, maybe this is what St. Paul means by when he tells St. Timothy to hold fast to grace. And don't allow yourself to go back into a mentality of wage, of wage, of, of earnings. I earned God's goodness. Somebody was discussing this with me and we we're joking around about it. And we called it, we named it vending machine theology or vending machine spirituality. You know, if I put, if I put a, a quarter in, I get a bottle of water. If I get a, put a, 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 you know, a, a, a loony in, I get a, a can of Coke. If I put a, a toonie in, I get a bottle of, you know, whatever, vitamin water, right? If I put like a $5 bill in the machine, I get, a, I get coconut water, right? Uh, so it's the running joke with our running group is all about coconut water, right? It's the most expensive thing on the face of the earth, right? Coconut water. And whatever, and so if I pray a little bit, God will give me that. But if I pray more, God will give me this. And if I pray more, this is nonsense. This is madness. This is madness. God needs like an army of accountants to keep up with us of all the things we do and we don't do. And this is nonsense. God is good and overwhelmingly good towards us. So then, what is that? How does that translate to us? Well, Jesus tells us. Right after this passage, a lawyer comes to Jesus and tells him, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus says to him, What is written in the law? You're a lawyer? Tell me. Tell me what you know of the law. 
And he tells him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And if we go to the Catholic epistle, which was read today, we find St. James is telling us not to be partial and not to show favoritism. Why? Why? Because it's not nice, it's naughty to do that. God will, God will punish me if I do that, right? No, no, no. Because I have received the grace of God and I want to be like God now. God is good to the good and to the evil. He makes His sun rise upon the good and the evil. He makes the, the rain fall on the good and the evil. God is good to all. God's grace is rooted in non-partiality, in non-favoritism, in treating everybody the same, with the same goodness. And so since God is like that, I want to be like that too. And what does that translate to most specifically and most clearly is the love of neighbor. That I love my neighbor as myself. And I love each person as I love myself. Which is a really tall order for some of us who have a lot of difficulty loving ourselves. But that's a topic for another day. The commandment of God, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself is actually three commandments. Because you have to love God, you have to love your neighbor, and you have to love yourself. If you hate yourself, loving your neighbor as much as you love yourself is pretty easy. You just get to hate everybody, right? But that's certainly not what, what, what Jesus had intended. So, to wrap it up, every time you hear the gospel being read, there was a prayer that was prayed before it. May you and I have eyes to see and ears to hear the goodness of God to those who are deeply undeserving, like me. May we hear the word and may we do it through the prayers of the saints. Why do we say through the prayers of the saints in the litany of the gospel? Because how did the saints become saints? Well, the saints became, became saints through the grace of God that was revealed in them. The grace of God that was revealed in them. The grace of God is there and ready and abundant for every person, like we said, without partiality. But when we look at the life of St. Moses, we find, we find that, that God revealed His grace in St. Moses in non-judgmentalness, in a, in a fierceness in spiritual struggle, in a love of neighbor, in hospitality, in all of these things, God revealed His grace in a very particular way. Because St. Moses took that free gift of God and he added his will to it, however small our will may be, and he, we add that to it, and that's what reveals the grace of God in our lives. That's what activates the grace of God in our lives, is the, the cooperation of our will. When we look at St. Anthony, all of us have heard the gospel of the young rich ruler who comes to Jesus and says to him, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he tells him, sell all, come and follow me. All of us heard that grace, but St. Anthony applied his will to it and he became St. Anthony, the father of monasticism and so on. And so we're saying, Lord, let all of this company of saints that maybe our eyes can't see them, but they fill the church Maybe they can pray for us so that we can do as they did. We can add our will to the word which get, we're going to hear now 
The grace which we're going to receive now, we can add our will to it, activate that grace and reveal your holiness. And reveal your holiness, which is what it means to be a saint. Glory be to God forever and ever. Man, I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.